Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial subjects from a biblical perspective. I'm Matt Henry, and I managed to give that intro somewhat reasonably yet again because Matt Miller is not with us, but I have with me uh, a very dear couple in our church, and so I'm going to let them just give their names and maybe a five-second introduction of who you are. I'm John Randall. Okay, you're going to want to get a little closer. There you go. You can say that again. I'm John Randall. And a five-second who you are. I serve as an elder here at Missio Day. And anything else? (laughs) Pretty boring. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, to right across the table from me is who? This is Esme Randall and um, his wife and... Oh gosh, this is not gonna go well, is it? <laughs> it's gonna oh my do gosh, fine. I so would you like. are, and you, and you're a teacher. Uh, I'm a teacher now, full time at our classical school, right? Yes. You take care of what grade? I teach third grade. And how many of my grandchildren do you have? I, two. That's they're, crazy. Yeah, they're all fun. But yes. You're definitely. I definitely can tell Henry's. Yeah, that's not hard. Um, (laughs) I I, I take that as a compliment, though. It is. Um, I choose to, at least. All right. Um, John, you're also an electrician. Yes. And you do that for? Uh, I do that for the school district. Okay, so you're part of the enemy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're enabling them to continue to function. I joke, people. I joke. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Again, just for everyone to understand, Matt Miller, again, isn't here, Um, and so I'm conducting these interviews. This is the last of three sets of couples that we chose to interview. Um, This is all part of our parenting uh, podcast. What we thought would be helpful is how can we get you to hear from actual families that have applied some of the principles that we've been teaching uh, who are in different parts of their life um, in, in the way of parenting. So we took care of uh, Mark and Lena, and they, te- they discussed the early years. And then you guys just listened to Jake and Angie. They're dealing with the middle years, which are quite the challenge. And now the most difficult, and maybe maybe not difficult, but most challenging um, and maybe downright scary for some parents is the later years as the kids are getting ready to move out. So you now have teenagers. And so that's why we asked John and Esme. uh, I've known you guys. How long have I known you guys now? At least 20 years, 20, 21 years. How long have you been married? 21. 21. But we knew you before a little bit. Well, we were praying for you guys. Yeah. Uh, because you used to go to a different church, yeah. and but your your sister John went to ours, and we we were praying for both of you. So twenty one years, yeah. So I've been and and your oldest is he's eighteen. He's eighteen. So I've watched all of your children get born and grow, and now get yep. ready to leave. So yep. 
Um, we, we've the whole church has been able to watch you. I mean, from brand new and married to now seasoned parents, even though you may not always. Yeah, you're both laughing. You're like, oh, that's what we are. Um, so, a little bit about uh, John. You'll want to scoot up there because you're going to do the talking according to Esme. Um, how you two <laughs> met? Uh, so we met at work. Um, I worked at a circuit board factory uh, down in Illinois, and uh, she was the new girl, and <laughs> so and we hit it off. Cute and ethnic. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so we started to date, and then she started to come to my church, and that uh, that is the worst introduction. So. When your eyes met his Esme, across from the circuit board maker or whatever the heck. I looked could, away. You looked <laughs> away. You're like, I could do better. <laughs> uh, no, he had a very good reputation in the place we worked in. And he was the guy who was respectful and didn't date every girl in the plant. And um, it, was, it was an actual plant. Yeah, it was. It was a little factory. I had a part-time job there, and um, and so I met him, and he seemed just a strange man to me because I had never met a 21-year-old guy who, or however old he was, um, with beard, with a full beard, and, you know, <laughs> a guy to stay away from the women and respected right. them and whatever. So anyway, he was... So he it wasn't was a, so much the beard no, as much as the fact that he wasn't like the other guys. He was just a strange individual to me. I couldn't put him in a category. But anyway... Um, so how did he ask you out? He didn't. Um, we how did you ask him out? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. Well, it, so I was leaving and... We're not sure how it happened, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it did happen. I was been a good thing. <laughs> True to form, he handed me books, and I was reading the books, but not for the purpose that he thought I was reading them. For me, reading a book in English was an exercise. Okay. Because I didn't speak English a whole lot. Right. You were from Mexico. Yeah. I was, maybe I had been in the States two years, two and a okay. half years. So it was the whole th culture, the whole thing was new, much in a Christian culture was even more foreign to me than I was raised Catholic. So anyhow, this guy would hand me books, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to read that because I'm going to see how much I understand. And so it was a very uh, mental exercise for me. Hmm. And in the process, I was God. You know, you're reading about these kinds of things. And this well, was, what kind of books are these? I'm assuming these, they're not Hardy Boys mysteries. No, these were Spurgeon books, and which were hard to understand because they were all English. It's what you would obviously give to a person just learning English. <laughs> Martin Luther I, I, and Spurgeon. I hope the young men are taking notes here. <laughs> yes. I mean, John Randall's Guide to Courtship. <laughs> Always keep a paperback of, of Spurgeon's lectures to my students in your back pocket because you never know when the beauty will arrive. Arsene Sproul was favorite of his, and I got a book or two. So you weren't a Christian, and no. you're, and so you're actually being introduced to the Christian faith yeah. simply because you wanted to improve your English. Yeah, pretty and much. And this guy who was not like others was giving them to you, and, so, and, and I'm assuming you're having conversations? 
Yeah, we're talking about the. That was really the only topic we talked about. God, He would bring it up somehow, always, and in part to talk to me. <laughs> and that was a safe topic. Okay, I'm just going to tell you flat out, it was not in part, right, John? <laughs> Let's be honest, John. You're the man here. Uh, it was just to hear her voice, right? <laughs> yeah, stumble over the words. Um, <clears throat> anyway, he. Um, He'll give me books. I would attempt to read them, and then he want to talk about them. And and then I'm leaving this job. I'm about to be done with it. And uh, I guess we had nothing to lose, and we both agreed to go to each other's church. Oh. And he went to mine, and I went to his. Was hers a Catholic church? Yes. Very Spanish-speaking, very... Catholic. Now, real quick for you, John, tell me, what was your reaction when you went there? A curiosity. Had you ever been to a Catholic church? I don't think so. I think that was my first time. So what was that like? It was very interesting. You know, there was uh, statues everywhere, and, you know, they did things very differently. And so after we went, I was just asked questions. And so, well, what was this about, and and why do you guys do that? And, and, uh, Oftentimes, she didn't know, actually. She's like, I don't know. That's weird. Why do we do that? So you didn't pronounce this the work of the Antichrist? and, and uh, Not on that day. Not on that day. <laughs> but you, yeah, but there's a reason behind what I'm saying, though, is, I mean, we talk about being missional and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can build bridges or you can tear them down. And then you can wipe your mouth and say, I've done no wrong, and say, well, they're obviously not the elect or whatever, right? But, I mean, here is a young lady you liked. You agreed to go to her church. You, I know you. You didn't agree with that theology. You didn't go in there saying, gee, I wonder if I might become a Catholic, right? Right. right. <laughs> there was nothing of that in your mind. Yeah, no. And uh, for the record, missional dating <laughs> should be a thing. Yeah, so <laughs> we're not advocating this at all. Um but yeah, no. Um, but but between what we are ought to do and what we do, there is a wide gulf at times, right? And yes. God's grace is incredibly uh, wide, yes. even more. Yes. Yeah. As a young man, not all of my convictions were fully formed. Um, but so, but God has been incredibly gracious to us. So, but you asked her, and you found that she didn't know either. Yes. Okay. So you you knew you weren't dealing with a hardcore Catholic that as much as you were. A, a cultural Catholic, maybe. Correct. Okay. And so you guys, from there, you went to his church, and that was not ours. It was a different one, right? No, it was a different one here in town. And I had visited prior, maybe once, another Baptist Spanish-speaking church, which is very charismatic. Spanish Protestant churches tend to be charismatic and scare me. So I was expecting it to look like that. I was expecting it to hear, to have people be very pushy about believing or doing their thing or becoming this thing that I didn't understand. Anyway, I go to this church. I meet his parents. I meet the family. And they're just kind and loving and patient and hmm. and embracing. They didn't, they didn't, they just accepted me and... And it was very, very telling of what Christian people were like. They were just this people that I did not have a complete opinion about. 
Anyway, I, I, we, went to, I, we went to his church, and then after church, he took me out to dinner, and he goes, so you want to come back next week? And I'm like, okay. I just like the attention, let's be clear here. I just <laughs> wasn't convicted about the church or anything. I kind of liked the people. They were leaving me alone. Um, and he kept doing that week after week. So you hmm. want to come back next week? And he will come pick me up, take me to church, take me back home. Now, that whole time, what are you thinking, Sean? Man, I really like her. Yeah, you know. But she's not a Christian. (laughs) You know, it was. And then in the moment, you could tell yourself, well, what does being unequally yoked mean? So 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 you were working the rationalization, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, we didn't intend to start dating, you know, and I was sharing my faith and it was going well and we were, you know starting to like each other, though, you know, maybe don't admit it to yourself. And then when she was going to leave work, it, you know, it kind of forced things a little bit. And then as in often in the Christian life, you find yourself where you shouldn't be. And it's like, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I saw what I thought was clearly the spirit working in her life. And certainly it was. And, um, yeah, and she came to faith. How, how long... For, I, it for took the purpose me th- of this, just a short a short version, it, but from the time you started going to his church and talking with him and reading Spurgeon and, and Sproul, where, where did you come to faith? It took a solid two years. Oh, wow. For me to wow. comprehend. I mean, you have to understand there was a language barrier too. I understand. And, and then there was this, so I was reading my Bible the whole time. Of course, I got a Bible too, Spanish and English, because hmm. Jen took John. care of that. Um, but um, so I, I kept accepting what the Bible would say. Like I wouldn't argue. Oh, it's here. Okay, moving on. So I would. Ke- I kept accepting the facts, but I kept wondering, what is this gospel they keep talking about? Safe from what? Hmm. I haven't killed anyone. I'm certainly a good girl. I I could look at all the um, major things. I don't do drugs. I'm not fooling around. Why? Why? What? I'm good. Safe from what? So obviously, a conviction of sin was not strong. It with was you not at, strong at time. all. And then um, one time, it was just a short little sermon on um, Matthew where Jesus says, you know, you, you've heard it said that if you hate your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. Hmm. And it just hit me. And then, you know, it went on. If you lost after someone, you've committed adultery. And it was the very first time I remember thinking I was in trouble. Like, I'm guilty of everything I was proud not to have done. So from that point... How long do you think it took? Honestly, I think it was pretty much, it was pretty much instant in which I then, what I had gained in knowledge of like, oh, that's what grace is. All (laughs) of a sudden. It all makes sense. All of a sudden, salvation had a context. Yeah. Jesus was a refuge. Salvation Hmm. made sense. And it wasn't like it was a Baptist church, so I didn't walk. The, I, I didn't tell anybody. I did not pray a prayer, and 
it was just like all of a sudden I it was precious and I wanted to own it. Yeah. And the rest is history really. It just went down pretty quickly. Pretty soon I started asking questions about what is this thing called baptism? <laughs> well, I remember that because our church was we had evening services and we were praying almost weekly for you mm-hmm. and but for both of you because obviously there was that tension of being unequally yoked and yet you weren't married um, and but that was certainly where your heart was right John yes yeah. yes absolutely uh, from my perspective it I don't think it took you the two years to come to faith I think it took you two years to be baptized and say here I stand I could do no other God help well, me well I was never it was it's a strange relationship, quite frankly. But I was never willing to call myself a Christian. I was never willing to say I wanted to be one. Hmm. I just liked the benefits of it. Well, that's actually a lot like, well, you know what? This is not about how you got married, though. This is about <laughs> parenting. So let, I'm going to move That'll on. I'd love to, I would love to have you come back and just explore some of these things, uh, just on the in the idea of what evangelism and the work of of the spirit in drawing a person and how diverse his works are. Um, the longer you're in ministry, right? The yes. longer you mm-hmm. walk with Christ, the more you hear the testimonies and you're like, my goodness, there's a lot of different ways. They all end up at the same place at, at the cross, but it's pretty neat. So you're married, you're now over at our church, um, you're now going to do what married couples do. You're going to have babies. So you had how many? John, tell me, how many do you have uh, children? We have four young men. Okay. And you were blessed the second time around with what, Esme? Twins. Yes, twins. Heavens, twins. Yes. And I remember the day that we all found out at church because John walked around with his stupid grin. <laughs> um all day long, and Esme had a look of sickness on her face, and it wasn't <laughs> physical. It was like, what have I gotten myself into? I literally thought it was discipline from the Lord. <laughs> I thought, surely I will die. <laughs> have you looked at me? Yeah, she's, uh, she's I am not small. a – she's a small – I cannot carry twins. Surely the Lord knows this. Are Why you, would he give it Are you over five feet? No, I'm 4'11". I don't know what <laughs> – and I just, I, I, you know, anyway, I just was very, very fearful. And, and then we watched you guys enter into that adventure of not just children, but you had twins and, and yeah. then your final. Um, so you got four boys. Mm-hmm. So here you are, four foot 11. <laughs> and God gives me four boys. And, and you got four boys. Yeah. And, and, uh, You've got to do it. All right. So you guys are now where on that parenting spectrum? Uh, we have our oldest just went off to college. Uh, the twins are will be 16. 16? This month, yeah. yeah. And their little brother will be uh, 15, about three months behind. Them. And totally unimpressed with his big brothers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like him. Okay. Um, so with that in mind, w- and, and if you didn't have any, just say so. But did you guys have some, in the back of your mind, expectations prior to having children as to what it would be like being a mom and dad or how you're going to raise your kids or I'm not going to do that when I'm a parent, um, et cetera? 
as opposed to now that you have children, you realize, well, that was stupid <laughs> or that was naive. But what what did you expect was going to be? Uh, what do you what did you think parenting would be like, as opposed to what you realize now on the back end of it? No, this is what parenting really is. I, I didn't have any expectations. <clears throat> I, uh, I had probably just fears, I would say, mostly. It was kind of a, how bad am I going to mess these people up? <laughs> okay. Now, why, why would you say that? Uh, well, growing up in a Christian home, uh, I had good parents. They really were. I, you, you didn't have to wonder, is dad going to come home or what's mom doing or will it be food on the table or any of those things. And so they really were um, were good parents to me. And that set the bar high for me. And so I knew, like, this is serious. And, um, you know, when you're a young man and you do foolish things, you suffer the consequences. But when you have a wife and children, you know, it's like if I, if I crash the bus, <laughs> they're on it with me. And uh, so... Were you aware of that then when you yeah, start? Yeah. That I got to take care of these? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have uh, kids right away. And I think I just had a lot of fears. I mean, I knew I wanted kids, but it was you never feel ready. And uh, then it was just a, a trip. We went down to Mexico to be with your family. And I spent the week playing with your niece. She was about two years old. And then we came back like, all right, let's have our own. Hmm. Really? Yeah. How long did you guys wait before you had children? About three, four years. I did not know that either. Yeah. Okay, how about for you? What, what, what was it that you thought parenting might be like versus <laughs> what, what it really is? This is where you figure out how different we are. I thought it would be easy, <laughs> natural. Actually, you know, this is fitting because I know you both this fairly well. This is going to be a breeze. I had been begging. Nagging is the right word, actually, for a baby. It's the joke between us because I don't know how many times I asked for a baby. And John's like, and that's why I gave you twins, two of them. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep asking? Uh, <laughs> you want to go for triplets next time? <laughs> I'd be down for it. Uh, well, of course you would. You're the guy. <laughs> so very much confident. Oh, my word. Um, for me, it was going to be a natural process. I watched my mom had nine children. So... Not that she made it look easy, not at all, but is what she did. Right. And it just, it, I just was not scared. I'm like, my mother could have 10 or nine, however. I, sure, I can pop a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it, ladies. And there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> you just pop them out. <laughs> and it couldn't have been, when we actually had children, John and I's personalities flipped. John just flourished in it. He just, it was the most delightful thing. He's, hmm. the, the, the light bulb went on, and he's really been, actually one of the things that I think looking back is, is just watching his enjoyment and his delight in the children. And I became very much, um, uh, I, I started feeling the burden of it, and it was not easy. It couldn't have been harder. It hmm. was absolutely hard on my body. It was hard on me emotionally. It was hard in every in every respect, and so I had to fight that. Um, but we, 
yeah, I mean, if if you ask John now, he wish he had had another another four. Um, and you're thankful. And I'm thankful that, that he we stayed at four. We stayed at four. <laughs> I I yeah. So so literally things reverse. Once yeah. the babies were there, you settled. You just embraced it. Yeah. Now, did that bring a lot of comfort in your middle of your fighting of with your own maybe your own spirit or your thoughts or emotions did, did there was did you draw comfort because your husband was not disconnected from the kids um what was amazing is that i think it 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 put us in the proper place john shepherding me and shepherding the children and me following the worst would have been me leading right cuz i'm confident in this thing and John following because he's fearful or something. Right. And instead, he had this theology, you know, he had, he was a much more mature Christian, even though he came to Christ as an adult. It, it everything just fell in place for him. And here I am, a new believer, a relatively, I mean, a relatively new believer, not. Right. By then, I'm, I've been a believer for a few years, at least a handful of them. Um, but now I'm also a new mother, and I'm learning all sorts of things. Like I had no, I had no concept what a Christian mother looks like. I had no concept of what, of I, what shepherding was. I was not groomed to become a mother. Right. So certainly not a Christian mother. And certainly not a Christian mother. So I had a lot of, um, a lot of spiritual battles to overcome personally and john was just at that point incredibly settled and ready and uh, so he was just a, 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 a he shepherded us all so that's that's a point that we we made our i think our very first podcast we did on parenting uh, was uh needed godly parents um, is I think the title or something like that. Mm -hmm. Godly parents needed. Anyhow, you you cannot have your your parenting will never rise above your state of godliness. In the same way, your marriage can never rise above your 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 godliness. So if you're an ungodly man, then you're going to have an ungodly marriage, right? Um, and so every time I counsel in my premarital, I, I drive that, and they always nod. Yeah, yeah, that, that, absolutely. And I'm like, and yet I don't think you've ever read through your Bible. I don't. This, you know, it's like you're entering into a marriage already handicapped. Um, but the one that brings me probably the greatest fear is watching young men who will not rise up and lead. And and God blessed you with that. Then yeah. that that you had that that. If, it would have been bad if you were the one that had to take leadership mm -hmm. um, and hit, hit him thinking, you know what, she's got this. I can continue to be a boy or something like that. But he didn't do that is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I'm thankful. And that's a testimony. Again, this he's not an he, – he didn't become an elder by accident. Um, <laughs> well, but the, that's the kind of example that young men of a, any church needs to see is that it's – because t John, you you would agree that you're a cautious man. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> to to a fault. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean that. And, and, and he actually balances me um, at the church because I tend to want to just go for it. 
and John tends to want to not. Uh, he wants to think about it. He's not opposed. He just wants to think about it a little bit more. His wife's not, not oh yeah, she knows all Try about Try living it. with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is wonderful all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> it is, it is. Yes. But but what dry what I, what I love about John is that he's driven by his theology, not his fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a cautious man, but the ca- he doesn't allow the caution to become the thing that controls him. Um, any more than you're an adventurous, you you tend to make th- you come to conclusions rather quickly about Very what. Quickly. Um, and but if you allow that to control you, and I think John having his strengths. Counter, you know, they balance you, right, and they guard you. But it, it, every one of us has those those built-in qualities, their strengths. But if they they're allowed to control you, um, sin abounds. And you know, that's the thing is that you're driven by your theology. You're d- driven by a ma- you're a man of conviction. You are as a couple or a couple of conviction. And that's again, that's why we have you here talking. So, what was the most difficult thing you found? to overcome as parents, especially with four boys? Well, for me, it was, honestly, it was my own sin. Um, If rooting out sin in your life, uh, if I could liken that to pulling teeth or something, uh, shepherding your children uh, through their sin, maybe it'd be like pulling a baby tooth or something, you know, and uh, yeah, I got to work at it a little bit, but it's, you know, it's going to come out. <laughs> yeah. Versus just find a tooth in your head that's firmly attached and I'll start working on it. And that's what it felt like for me dealing with my sin in my own life. And so that was the most difficult uh, thing for me. It's just. So uh, why though? Why? What What does that have to do with parenting? Now, I know the answer, but I, I'm not sure all the listeners will make that connection. Well, if you desire to be a godly man. You have to lead. You have to lead your home, and you have to lead by example. Uh, you can't lead by hypocrisy. Um, and so, if you're going to be the guy that calls your sons to uh, guard their eyes, then you have to guard your eyes. If you call them to guard their mouth, then you have to guard your mouth. Um, whether you're leading in the home or whether you're leading in the church, it's not pointing in a direction and say, "Hey, you go here and you go do this, or you go do that." It's uh, you know, it's what whether Paul was talking to Timothy or the church in Corinth, he's saying, look what I'm doing. Come follow me. Yeah. Imitate, imitate what I do as, as I follow Christ. Yep. Good. What about for you? What was your big challenge now that he gave probably the perfect answer? <laughs> I don't think you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that he's now um, the godly one. He really is. Um no. And, you know, I, I think that um, by God's grace, the temptations that I had when they were, when I was a newly mother or a new mother or when I had all little, all four boys under four is different than, than the temptation now. But I think when they were little, the fact that they were boys really didn't enter um, so much how I was tempted, because they're just little people, you know. 
yes, they have a ton of energy and they function differently than the girls when they're little. I mean, I used to, rem I remember looking longingly up on, at the girls because they would sit pretty and, <laughs> and controlled. And I literally had boys jumping off the walls. And, but um, I, when they were young, I don't think, um, once I once I understood that my my job as a parent was to raise was the God had called me to be a mother and that I was to raise these people in the Lord. That I was to um not look at them as just oh we're gonna try our best and hope for the best and here but to be intentional. Um I think the the struggle for me was to die to myself. Hmm. Um, I did not struggle with, I mean, our church back in the day when I was popping the babies, there weren't a whole lot of um, young moms. Mm -hmm. and, ev and, and the older women were very, very um, supportive and encouraging and you know if you took a baby if you took a two-year-old to the bathroom to spank that boy they're they're like almost applauding yep good for you go get that take <laughs> care of that you know um and um so encouragement was very much there women were very kind to me they were taking me under their wing and they were showing me how to do it. They were being gracious and helping me with picking up things because I was housebound with that many kids. But I think because this is where your background, I think, comes into play. When you were raised to become a professional, this is what your, this is what your dream of being is. This is what you want to become as you become an adult. Do you want to be a professional? Motherhood and raising children is secondary, if it's even in the picture. Um, you have to constantly, f at least for me, I had to constantly fight the urge to be tempted to think, and what else is there? Right. Am and I missing something? Am or? I missing yeah. something? And so to literally look at my dishes and changing diapers and uh, cuddling and reading and doing all, all that ass, that's what's there and it's really good. Um, it, took, it took some time for me to get that because um, that moves very slowly. And at the time, it just feels like an eternity. Mm -hmm. And so- Does this still seem that way though? You look backward, do you realize how quickly that time passed? Oh my word, I, yeah. if only. Yeah, you, you could, know? in fact, you would like to get some more time yes. back in those early, wouldn't you, just to talk. Yes. Spend time. When when you, for instance, will teach on parenthood or we will read a book or something, the work itself didn't scare me. Like, I could take my boys and I could do that all day long. You know, if they needed to be spanked, if they needed to be corrected, if they needed to be right. trained. I, I love work. I, I, I delight in work. I I found that not hard to do. What was hard is the purpose. To what end? Why? Is that is this all there is? You know? Mm -hmm. It seemed inconsequential at the time. Um and 
and so for me, it was the constant dying to this. Is there something better? Is there something greater? Is there something? So quiet down my spirit and, and just be content yeah. in the season. I was always in a hurry. Right. Um, so for that, John is excellent because he puts the brakes all the time and it's good. Um, so so that was my temptation as a young mother. I, I'm just thinking on that. I don't want to go too far on this, but I'm thinking about you as a teacher now, and um, you're teaching the oldest group ever. We we add a fourth grade next year, um, but you know you, you don't get to do parenting over again normally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sometimes people will have children later on; uh, they're surprised or something. But you, you're you know, but what you do if you if you embrace the role of mom or dad is that you walk away with this um, this body of knowledge that then the Bible says the older men and women are to then pass on. Um, and, and so you come alongside that struggling younger woman, right? And you tell her there is a purpose. There is yes. something. And I can, I, I can ache with you as you're struggling with that lack of purpose, but that's an unbiblical thinking, right? Or, John, for you, that you know, just being faithful uh, and dealing with your own sin. You can look at a young man who is not dealing with this sin, but he's really good at dealing with his son's sin and talk to him with wisdom, right? Um, But now as a teacher, I'm thinking about how this is everything you're doing as a teacher this year, because it's a classical education model we're following, is new, right? Yes, and and yet I'm, I I laugh as I watch you do it because you're literally parenting now. Yeah, in a sense, nine children or ten. How many? Nine. Nine, and but but even though you're doing it, I I think you convey a lot of confidence, and I think it's and I can't prove it, but I think it's because of you're, you've been a mother. Yes. Um, and so you know that there's a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And so by faith, I'm doing it. Because I understand the purpose, um, and 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 it's only later though that you bear the the harvest. And I think that's where a lot of mom and dads stumble is that they they lose sight that we're doing all of this for a harvest, but the harvest isn't for eighteen, twenty, yeah. twenty two years, and that's hard to do that. Um, well, let me let me ask you this: um, you guys have now watched your children begin to leave. So, John, first for you. Um, briefly, just talk about what was that like? Uh, I would say that is wonderful and scary all at the same time. <laughs> uh, we we were blessed right. to have uh, a peaceful home, a joyful home. Um, you th- were blessed, but that, yeah. it didn't happen accidentally. Okay, it was yeah. because a mom was dying to herself and the yes. dad was dealing with the sin. Yes. I, I, I think we want to be clear. Those don't accidentally happen. Yes, no. Uh, I've been rereading our rare jewel of Christian contentment and uh, seeing all the places where my wife underlined, you know, and it's precious to me, but then at the same time, it's like, oh, what was I putting her through? But she had to <laughs> underline that. <laughs> oh, oh, but, <laughs> I but, never uh, thought about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, so as our oldest has left. Long suffering. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Patience. Uh, as our oldest has left, He's left very well. It is just a joyful time. Um, 
not combative, not argumentative, not resisting, not any of those things. He he really was um, a joy, and so that's been that's been wonderful. And and um, you know what you've been planting into them for years, um, and so you have a, a reasonable expectation of you know what you've been planting, and so you have a reasonable expectation of the the crop that's going to be there. But at the same time, it's scary because always before when they lived in your home and they were uh, smaller. Um, they're little, you're big, you can make them do what you, what you want. Um, but now they're out on their own. And so it's, it's will they walk in the faith that you have been hmm. planting in them for years? And so that's the scary part. But it's, uh, you know, through all of that, we know that we showed them uh, the right way to go, that um, if they have a struggle or if, um, their sin that they're falling into, you know, we know that they didn't learn that from us. And so that's that's a very encouraging. Did you find yourself um, grasping? That might be the wrong No, word. that's that's the right word. <laughs> that's okay. Be, very much, yes. Uh, and surprisingly so. I didn't, I guess I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, I don't know what, I, have, I don't know what you would liken it to, like a rocket ship on the launch pad and you're trying to, go over every last calculation, whatever, make sure there's not the, you know, the faulty O-ring and the thing's going to blow up as soon as it leaves the launch pad and, and you're just trying to discern and fix any fatal flaws before it happens. And I, I yeah, I was very surprised at, at um, that temptation to fear. And uh, no, you were really uh, helpful to us in that. And, you know, we just had to sit back and go, we did not parent in fear. Why in the world would we start now? <laughs> so. Again, though, that speaks to your guys, your godly character um, that you can then preach to yourself, look, yes. we haven't been doing this in fear our whole life. Why Why start now? But it's scary, isn't it? Yes. It really is. You start yes. grabbing. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I liken it to getting on one of those slingshot rides that I would never ride on him. Yes. No way, you know. Yes. And it's like when you're standing there eating your cotton candy and your, you know, your corn on the cob, watching others, you're like, oh, that looks fun. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then when you get in and they're strapped down, you're still a little nervous, but it's still cool. But then they start like pulling, apparently, I don't know anything of it, but they start pulling you back so they can, and there comes a point when you're having these New thoughts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about for you? What was? Did you find yourself going through some emotions or thoughts that again surprised you? Um, I'm not the sentimental in the in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did not see coming how sentimental I would get hmm. towards the end. Um. I left that to John, and I was finding myself incredibly um, sentimental about it. And when you are, um, when you're the mother and you're raising a son, you don't want to do that. I mean, all these years I had been training myself to think of my sons as future man, of training my sons to raise them as um, as respectable men. And so what does that look like for me as a mom? How should I treat this son? How should I approach this subject or the other? One of the things that 
in the last couple of years as you see this day coming was for me um like I would I would do something or I would say something I had to retrieve seek forgiveness because that wasn't respectful that wasn't treating him as as a as a growing man I was still treating him like a 10 year old and having a son who was taught to respect us and to obey us and to do that. He never came out and told me I was treating him a certain way. But you, you could see it in his countenance. You have a story. I don't know if it would be appropriate, and if not, we can always delete this. Um, but you told me a story where your oldest was getting – I mean, I think it was a year before he left, and you were telling him – well, you need to do this or that. And mm-hmm. he said something like, well, that that's going to be my decision. I'll think I'll consider and, what you're saying, but that yeah, will be my so decision, Mom. Can, yeah, so say that <laughs> briefly, just that story and, and what – because that struck me when you shared that one. Um, I don't remember exactly the topic, um, but it had to do with fin- with financing and meaning how you pay things. and Sure. Um, so if you – choose this one thing is going to cost you this. If you choose this other thing, it will cost you that. And so I was trying to insert my opinion <laughs> as a faithful mother that I am. Um, and and he, uh, my son being very respectful, he's always very kind and respectful to me. He would say, well, mom, I'll consider that, but that would be my decision to make. That would be my decision to make. And I had to like... <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I felt. It felt like a punch. And I knew he was correct. And so I had to all of a sudden, you know, like you begin to feel very insecure about what you're doing. And and I shouldn't say insecure. I never feel insecure. But <laughs> <laughs> That's not the right word. Um, more like, again, I'm thinking I was I, I, in the later years in this last few years, I'm constantly thinking, how do I respect my sons? How can I talk to them? How can I encourage them rightly? At the same time, they're not fully grown men. They still need your counsel. They still need to learn. They still need to do those things. So how do you best do that? It's it's still, I'm still learning. Well, I remember you looked at me when you said that story and laughed. You said, I walked away and I, and, and I had to admit, that is how I raised him to be. Yes, yes. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> well, uh, yes. It, the whole year, really, the last year before he went on, it was a year of me going, well, I rest, raised a man. Now, what do I do with that? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Um, but okay, it's, I guess that's true. It's a little different for us. I mean, we have one son, and I have to just bite my tongue sometimes. Not that he does foolish things, but you know, you just think you want to insert yourself where nobody invited you. Um, if you've been doing that, it comes very quickly, and you and you in for a mom, I think it's hard to accept that and and receive it and not be offended yes um well i think i think i don't want to get too far ahead there because that's actually no no that's that's not your fault uh i just don't want to go there yet but i i do think that that's where our culture doesn't help because we're raising uh cultures raising weak men and and so everybody around you um 
in in our culture at least is is doing the exact exact opposite. And yeah. so you, whereas when you when you live in a culture that would be more proper uh, as a culture, um, it would be less shocking or less of a stress because everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's. I mean, you've been watching it for three generations, and I mean, there's nothing strange about it. But I, I do think that um, it's it's a challenge. But I want to get back to that. Um, let me let me change it slightly, and I'm just ask you as me, as a mother of sons, what do you think every every mother should know if she has sons? Um. I think that when they're little, you want them to lo- teach them. I think that's true of boys and girls, but I found that having sons, I don't know if they're born from day one, they know you're a woman. <laughs> they know you're a woman and you function differently than they do. You react differently than they would. Um, and of course, there's various types of personalities. So you have the complete guy, you have the kid that's going to question everything you say, and then you have somewhere in the middle. Um, but for me, I, I, I read Future Man when my kids were little. I think I read it before I even had Josiah. But that book in John and everything you confirmed through your preaching was my Bible to Racing Boys. Um, it really was. It's it's falling apart because there's still parts of that book that I still go back to now in the teen years because I go, it, am, I, am I reading this wrongly? Mm-hmm. I, I need to, right. if you know, if I don't have Janix uh, to ask or something, I should go back and read some parts. But when my kids were little and you are teaching them to be obedient to you. I cannot tell you how that has served me well now that they're older. So there is obedience. Get them to learn to listen. Get them to have you, to Hmm. mind you, to honor you, to obey you, period. Fight for that. Get, Get in the game work at it, don't be whiny about it, don't feel sorry for your kid, you won't kill him. Have him obey you. Have him uh, Have him be under your authority, period. They'll give it to dad so easily. But you, as a woman, I think you have to fight for it. Yeah, I, I had, think so. I, especially if your husband doesn't, and I know John yes. supported you, but... So don't misunderstand that listener. But if your husband doesn't support you in that, or his life is one of demeaning you, yeah. Um, I mean, you're it's an uphill battle. Yeah, I have said to even women who ha- who are single women who are you know who maybe are married to a to a non-believer, and they're like, well, I want this kid to be you know they need the influence of a father, and and. You know, I don't have that support. How can I do that? And I'm like, you have the influence of a godly father. Teach that son to submit to you so that one day he can submit to the one true God. Mm -hmm. 
that's how that's done. It's not done any other way. So to have kids that respect me, honor me, um, obey me, um, we have the first things first laid down and firm. It's been monumental on how now our home is one of joy and respect and and honestly just delight. Right. I, I can attest to that just going into your home. It's never it's never a time if I ever come over to your house, um, John always greets me with a smile. The kids I, I can't really call them kids or young men, um, but they're all chill. <laughs> totally unimpressed that the pastor's over there. There's no, no um, <laughs> nobody's running around. Um, it's just a relaxed. It's a relaxed, happy place. Um, but uh, but that's due to the labor of mom and dad. Let me let me uh, go to another question then. Um, if that's what you so that's what you guys obviously were seeking to do early on is to just train the basics. Obey. Obey. It's okay. as simple as that. Did they obey? Did they honor? If if not, we discipline. We, we it's it's that simple. Those are the easy years. The now you're in the teen years. How has your parenting style changed to fit that, John? Uh, so for now, you know, in the early years, it was give them the rule and make sure that they obey the rule, and um, but always not just to be rule followers, but giving them the the principle of it, and and always with a heart to honor God and 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 to obey God. And now that they're um, older, now it's to um, having them look at the, the principles of it and, and not giving them, here's the rule that you have to obey. And, and so for uh, young men, you know, I'll, I'll say to one of them, so um, you were up kind of late last night. Like, yeah, yeah, I was up a little late. And so with, without giving them now the I'm not giving you the bedtime that that you have to be in bed, and so I say, oh, so uh, what were you, what were you doing? Were you thumbing through my systematic theology? Like, no, no. <laughs> well, me and my brother were playing a game. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, didn't you have an important test today? Yeah, yeah, I did. Were you tired when you're? Yeah, I was. I, I should have got to bed. He knows where it's going. I, sh I should have got to bed sooner. You're like, yeah, you should. And and we're, you know, they're. Lord willing, we, we have three years uh, with some of them left, and then they're going to be out of the home, and they're going to be making those uh, decisions. And so um, I won't be there to tell them this is the time you have to go to bed, and this is the time you have to get up. And so just helping them to learn to make those decisions for themselves and, and the why to make those decisions. It, it's interesting just talking the more and more um, as we learn more about the classical education model grammar uh, logic and rhetoric uh, stages um, and just working, shepherding the children and their education through these natural stages of growing that mm -hmm. the human, that's all we're describing here in this parenting. Yeah. In the early years, you're not, there is, there should never be a discussion of why. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, we're not asking you, we're just telling you this is how it is. Just like the children are taught to sing the song of the parts of the speech and and but you do it joyfully you create an, a, a joyful environment not a rule-based mean environment right mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but it's still but there's consequences i see you dragging children out to talk in the gym <laughs> when they're in trouble and and but they're dealt with 
they seek forgiveness, they're restored, and they brought right back in, and teaching yes. goes on. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just parenting. Um, you, you what now? You guys are in that rhetoric stage, right? Now yeah. you're saying, let's take all the stuff that we've learned and let's put it together, and you guys begin to apply it into your life. Um, and yeah, would you, would you agree with that assessment? Oh, been? absolutely. And in fact, I I would I would add that for a mother of sons, it has shifted to more John being involved in the process. It's less of me. In fact, that happened years ago. Um, hmm. So I was I had a rigorous, busy, full, exhausting first season. Kids are home. They need to be fed. They are on a regular schedule. We're working through discipline and correction and redirection and all of that good jazz. And I, it's it's on me, right? Schedules need to be met and all of that good teaching, hmm. blah, blah, blah. And now I, as they started approaching the double digits, John became more... Uh, he needed to be there more. He needed to be talking about them. You know, he needed to be the one who is talking men to men with them. Who is they're getting their their cues and their and their how men behaves, how men treats, how men thinks, how men from John. So I literally had to be intentionally less present for them. I I needed to reconsider how I wanted to influence my children Hmm. um, in that new season because they needed to not be looking at me unless they were looking at this is how a woman behaves. Um, So I shifted that and I began thinking about how do I want to influence my kids and godliness and culture and loving, and loving, and now loving what we've taught them, not loving, not 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 um, being grateful for just having that good foundation. Now, what's the next step? How can I help them see themselves as part of part of a Christian life? And so, I actually believe it or not, during that season, I began to think more about food. I I have boys, and so food is a big part of their life loves. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that I hadn't um, passed on their heritage of I'm not a good cook and I had not learned to cook Mexican food. And so I started investing in learning how to do that. And so I became really like I want them to love food. I want them to love good things and I want them to love their home and look at home as a as a place where they now enjoy and they have part in in that and have a say, what do you want to eat, that kind of thing. And I, I became that more of an, a practical, in a practical sense, what does that look like? John became more visible in their life and more present, and I kind of intentionally let that happen, and I focus on other things that had to do more with, now how can they look at mom and what does that look like for a woman? So if I could summarize that, it would be you tried to then, in the early years, it's just busy. It's just Busy work. working in obedience, and, and there's four kids, 
they're all boys, so they tend to have a lot more energy, um, and and that's just a lot of work later on. And so you, things aren't always as a home maybe ought to look like um, in the early years, right? You, you, I mean, you've got boys that are capable of making a mess sitting. Somehow yeah. they can create a mess. Um, and so it's just existing in some ways. But then later on, what you're saying is that you started to make a transition, an intentional one, though. It wasn't by accident to developing a household that was a home. That, that, <laughs> yes. Well, what I'm, what I'm trying to describe, though, is a home that the boys want to be at. Yeah, yes. um, absolutely. That they, you model them what, what it looks like to feast. Yes. What what it looks like to laugh, what it looks like to enjoy uh, the company of one another. Whereas in a lot of American homes, the kids, as they get older, starts going away and spend less time. They're avoiding home. They don't want to be home. Um, mom is still giving them Doritos. And, you know, she she's you know, you were intentionally trying to show them here. This is what good food tastes like. Yeah. And meanwhile, John is intentionally taking more and more of that role of I need to guide these boys because they're boys. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a man, and again during that time in our culture, a lot of the men are at the peak of their earning power, and so now their career is really starting to take off, and they're making career decisions, um, and those decisions take them away from home more and more and more, and they keep saying, you know, things will slow down, things will slow down. And then their kids are gone, and things do slow down, uh, but they're gone. So if there's some intentional choices being made, and we we we, I, we don't have time to go into those. You look like you have something to say. Uh, no, I was just thinking how um, I had made a decision to have a uh, a rental property uh, years ago, and just not not that there's are you talking about the four unit yeah yeah that was a lovely place yeah uh not that there's uh anything wrong with that but i hadn't counted the cost for me how much time that was going to take me out of the home and um i mean i had done everything right and i had taken all the law classes and and i was i was doing it all well and um when the economy took a downturn you know that that ended up having to go away but i I praise the day that the Lord took that away. Um, that was such a blessing to me because the the amount of time that that was going to take me out of the home and was taking me out, um, man, it wasn't worth it. You're, you're never going to be on your deathbed thinking if I had only made a yep. hundred grand more. You'll you'll never you'll just never think that. Um, man, so I, I had my rental and I had started to um, manage for a guy who owned one. He lived in Illinois. And I was just gone all day, and uh, our oldest was like two, and you're just you're feeling guilty because you've been gone all day, and sometimes that's just the rea- you know the reality of it. Um, but this was on top of my other job, and um, I got home late, and I thought, man, there's no way he's going to be up. I you know, I wanted to see him today. It was a Saturday, and um, but he still was up, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to see him a little bit before he goes to bed, and then that guy, you know, who's going to be kind of my you know, that I was going to work for, called and he wanted to talk, to talk business. And so Josiah wants my attention, and I, you know, I end up locking myself in the bathroom. And uh, I see his, uh, his little fingers under the door, you know. And uh, 
it was just one of those by God's grace you just have that you, you see yourself you know from the outside and uh, I told that guy I'm like hey I hadn't signed any contracts with him or anything you know and it was we were just starting to work together and you want to be a man of your word but it was one of those moments where it's like man I cannot do this and so I said you know this isn't going to work and and I broke things off with him and I went out and played with my kid you know and I've just I've never regretted that yep and then just having him now be 18 and leave the home and just the number of times I was able to take him to soccer games and practices and talk about dumb stuff and and whatever and you know I'm so thankful for that time so um, you're, you said something that I, I want to reiterate real strongly to the listeners. Um, you, you, you're a man of your word, and you, and you had said that you were going to become, you were going, you're, or at least you were indicating that you were going to be, do this property management with the guy, right? Yes. Um, but then you look at the little finger sticking out underneath the door, and you realize I need to be a father, um, and so you. You, you stopped, right? Yes. A lot of parents won't do that. And so let me make a quick pastoral admonishment to everyone is uh, because it's wearisome for me to watch. You're not quitting. You're not raising your children to be quitters. Um, you're not somehow not keeping your word when you realize that the what you a decision you made was not a wise decision was a foolish one or even a simple one the bible doesn't call that quitting the bible calls that repenting and it's different it's not the same thing you don't quit um, what you do is you repent and uh, that's i think if i would make one of my biggest things as a parent is that you take on to, to echo yours so it's just a third thing is your life should be one of constant repentance, mm -hmm. which yes. is you dying yeah. to yourself, you deal with your sin, right? Yes. Um, it's repenting. It's it's not that it's not that you got it all there. You're just you're, you're trying and your wife is trying and as a man, obviously. Um, and and you mean well and you've got all kinds of plans, but but sin always heads you down paths. But a, a man or woman who's quick to repent, those those little wanderings are not so deep in the woods. Um, what's horrible is when you commit yourself to the point that now it's going to be exceedingly painful and devastating to everyone involved to repent. And so then you say, well, the pain is too great, so I'm not going to repent because I'm in too deep. It's like then you'll never you – know, if you – You'll never get there then. You keep thinking somehow it'll get better, uh, but it doesn't because you're still heading down an unrepentant path and then asking God bless it. And um, I mean, it was just something we said in so many different ways to our children, but to one another, you know, why would you expect God's blessing in an act that you know is wrong? Mm. Uh, and yet, here we are again. Here we are, and and you're looking all long-faced and sad, and and dad's mean and stuff. It's like the only reason we're here. <laughs> it's not how I wanted to spend my evening, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Uh, the only reason is you made choices, you know. But but then as a mom and dad, recognizing the same thing, the only reason you're struggling right now is because you made choices earlier that put you now you're here. So repent. Um, and you'll do well. Let me let me close this out by this. 
if there's one thing that you would want to communicate to our listeners as a key takeaway uh, as your role as mother or father, I'll let you go first, Esme. What would you say? Um, definitely died to self. Um, I was just reading my Bible the other day um, a couple of weeks ago, and I came across um, that verse where Jesus says that for fruit to bear, the seed must die. And it just reminded me how true that is in motherhood. Um, when the kids are little, you die, and it looks a certain way. That might look like you go into the bathroom to discipline a child literally 20 times in an hour. <laughs> um, Sometimes the same kid. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I was just, we had some people over the other day, and that's exactly what they were doing. And I, I it. I couldn't but bless them because I'm like, this is, you think this is where you're going to be forever and you won't. And let me tell you, the other side is good. Um, but in the, you know, one of the things that I discover in later years was that the dying and the planting of the seeds comes every season. Mm -hmm. Just because you did it when they were little and you taught them to, to obey you doesn't mean your job is over. When they're in the early year, in the early teens, you have to die to yourself and you have to show them how to work, mm -hmm. have to show them how to have a good little work ethic. You have to give them a new dimension of what it looks like to grow up, to be looking forward to the future. And how I die to myself nowadays looks very different than how I did it when they were little. But I still have to. Jen and I joke about it all the time because we're like, we know we're not hip, but we got to do this thing called youth group. <laughs> we are so not that. But we, we get our tired little selves to that evening and right. we invest in that because on the other end, we want young people, our children included, to love the people of God, to love their community, to see themselves as part of the church, to grow in that. And whatever that looks like, we're, whatever it takes, we're going to do. But I just keep thinking that motherhood is, what do you want to reap? You better stop. You better start planting that seed. Right. It's not, it doesn't just happen. It has to be planted. And for that, you have to die somewhere. In yes. there. And so I just, I, I, I imagine in the years to come, I'm going to be dying in a different way. <laughs> but if I'm to bear fruit, if I'm to, if that's what you want, um, then you, then you got to, then you got to die to self and then get to work. You want to know how you're going to die to yourself in the later years? Um, you're going to, well, you're going to discover that you think you've earned the right to rest. Ah, Yes. <laughs> and and actually, all you did was you find out that your entire life you were preparing to actually be of use. Mm. And, uh, that sounds helpful. Yeah, I, it really is. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could say it a different way, but what frustrates me is the number who will retire and they just check out life. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you spent all, that, all those years building that spiritual capital to invest none of it. Yeah. And... And now you're going to pass on to eternity, and there'll be no mark 
uh, left behind. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, you'll love it when you, Lord willing, have grandchildren, and of course, you'll be the most beautiful woman, and they'll love you, and 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 grandpa, whatever they call you, will, you'll be the greatest guy, and and all of that's great. Um, but it actually is that you you finally now have the gray hairs. And the Bible, then you start reading the Bible, and all those verses that never applied to you before, um, older man, older woman, and you're like, dang, damn it, how did I get me? <laughs> and you find out they're actual commands, mm. and, and that like, you're like, my job's not done. No. And it's like, no. Um, I, that's why, yeah, I've just determined that until the Lord takes me, this is just what it is. Um, but but once you buy into it, then the dying to yourself becomes a lot more easier. It's only when you... It's learning to see for what it is. That's what I mean. And be content there and then trust the Lord for the fruit, whatever that is. But do it in, you know, doing it in faith. I, I, you know, you mentioned that I teach at the school. I really, I'm, I really th- um, thought the hardest I ever worked was when my kids were all little. <laughs> God gave me four, and that was good training. But you don't compare that to a classroom full of young souls and in a rigorous learning. Uh, it's hard work, and, and, and you go, okay, this is what the Lord has for me. This is where I need to be. Um, I get to trust my children at home to do their own thing, and then I get to work here, and then when we meet at night, we do our thing, and and there's just such good. I, I keep saying it's just such good works that the Lord is pleased to give you. Yes. Um. So. Well, what about you? Oh, I was just reflecting on you taught us well early on. Um, I'm going to totally mess it up how I say it, uh, but <laughs> well, I'm was... already feeling awkward here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll totally misquote you. Um, I feel like we should have swelling violin music right now. Yes. Uh, but this was in relation to how we act at church. And it, my version of what you said was, don't think that you've paid for a mission. You're going to come in and see a show or, or be a customer or a consumer at some point. But lay all that aside and put on your apron and um, come here and be ready to serve. And so uh, that's what we try to do uh, as parents. Um, you're going to be tired. You're going to be lazy. You're going to feel apathetic, all, all of these things that we're prone to, and just realizing that, um, it, that the teaching moments aren't this one big, the big talk, you know, that you'll have and it'll just be wonderful and it'll be, uh, set them on a great direction of, of their life, but it's just maybe a thousand, 10,000 little teaching moments and just being um, prepared for those and, and receiving that with joy and, and mm-hmm. just being faithful in those moments. Um, you know, from the time you meet them till the time one of you dies, you know, you have to be after their heart. We don't want to raise up externally religious doers, law f- followers, whatever, you know. Um, well, okay, what happened here? Well, I wanted to play the game. But my brother was playing. He wouldn't let me play. Okay, so what did you do? I punched him. Wait, what? I, I didn't hear that. What did you? I punched him. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
You know, now if we just want to follow the rules, okay, don't punch anyone. That's the rule. Okay, let's all obey the rule. We're all fine. You know, but actually taking it to the heart. And by the way, at two, it, it's pretty simple. Yeah. You don't punch him. Yeah. <laughs> He's your brother. Yeah. When they're later teens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're strong. <laughs> and there's blood. Yeah. <laughs> no blood. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, by God's grace, be, being faithful as best as we were able to do that, uh, we have four tender-hearted young men. And so you don't have to yell. You don't have to, you know, we haven't had to have the stare down or the or the whatever. Um, you know, God has been very kind in that. But um, another thing that you taught us is the fruit that you're looking for is genuine fruit of repentance and faith and obedience. And... Um, Again, my version of your analogy was, you know, you see a fruit tree and uh, 100 yards out, it looks great. It's full of fruit. And then you get closer and 50 yards out, it still looks pretty great. But as you get up there, you realize, you know, those aren't real apples. Those are like, they're plastic or they're wax or something and they're taped or stapled there or something. And, and uh, you know, it, if if you could get the kids to obey or or submit in some other way other than what God has, the way that God has said to do it. You know, when I get to talk to young parents and maybe they're not spanking or they're not, um, you know, they're not disciplining. And I ask them, if you, I don't think it's possible to do it, but if you could get the same results by doing it in a way other than what God said, would you do that and why? And I think that's very revealing of the heart. I don't think it's possible to get the same. Mm -hmm. You you may it may look okay for a while on the outside, but it's a plastic fruit and it's taped to the tree. It never lasts. No, no, it never lasts. And then they're bigger than you, and they're stronger than you, and (laughs) and they're out on their own. And what will they do? Will they walk in in the faith that they've professed? And the foolish parent then is quickly. Let me retract that uh, because it's not always true. Um, but where you hear so many parents who raised a spiritual hypocrite, right? You, all you have to do is comply, put the externals on, tape the f- apples on, and, they, and, and then they're not because they don't have to anymore. So it's like I'm not wasting my time with that. Um, and they say, well, we didn't raise him to be that way. It's like actually mm. you did. You just are not yet ready to repent um, of that still. And it's, but it takes eyes of faith to see that, John. Realize it, there's more here than just my convenience of having a happy home. It, it's actually, I want a happy home because it honors the Lord. And that actually may be intensely inconvenient for me as a father most of the time because now I'm, a, I'm, I'm working in the field of four young men's hearts. And that's a pain, but, but it will bear the fruit versus shut up everyone dad's home and i want to watch my football or whatever and you know a worldly vi- vision versus a heavenly one um goes a, a long way was that uh, martin luther's first thesis all of a christian's life is one of repentance and it's constantly finding that yeah. religious hypocrite in yourself and having to repent of that and root that out and so that you don't pass that on Yes. Now, listeners, take note that that's coming from the man, um, 
And one of the things I harp on here as, at the church, it's, I mean, the women can do an incredible thing within the home, but, but God has called the man to lead that home, right? And set that stage. And, and it's not what you think it is. It's not what the world's going to tell you it is. It's, it's going to be taking on the, the, the reins of leadership, headship, and, and, and you're, but you're going to lead the way by example of what it looks like to repent, to believe, to put on Christ, put off the flesh. Right, yes, yes. all of that stuff, and that yes. is so unsexy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so you said it's the thousand little things. There's not that that momentous moment. Um, I, I, my father, shortly before he died, um, it's weird. You, you would give, you know, your you hear your dad's voice, but then after he's gone, you would pay a million dollars if you could hear his voice one more time. Um, and I remember him him and I were talking and. I, I shared a, a, a very precious memory of him, and he just looked at me sheepishly. He's like, I have no memory of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, but I thought that encapsulates true parenting. Was, it was something dad did that was faithful. It was the stupidest thing probably in his mind, but it, it struck me. And it's, I mean, I'm now 60, and I can still mm. remember like it was yesterday, that little moment where my dad stood firm for what was right. And it's like, he has no memory. And, you know, we, I'm, I'm sure it's true of mothers and fathers as well, but it's just, those little moments. Um, so it's it's pursuing faithfulness rather than an event. Um, the the countless hours invested in making that birthday party be the greatest thing. I I still Kim ask Kim. I rant when she's like, "So are we gonna go? We got to go over to you know Naomi's birthday party." And I'm like, "Why? Why?" And she's like, "Shut up! We're gonna go." I'm like, "Why?" And she's like, and we need to get a gift. Why? And she's like, because she's your granddaughter and you love her. I'll go over and love her, but why do we got it? Oh, goodness. She's like, I like she's not even remember this party. And I start ranting and raving. Then my wife graciously tells me to get over myself and we mm-hmm, go do the mm-hmm. stupid party. <laughs> <laughs> what you do for grandkids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyhow, thank you so much. Um, I, I find it interesting. We're over an hour. Um, they oh, both came in and sat down and said, I, I, we don't think we'll say anything. And I knew that the other opposite would be true. Um, I appreciate you guys sharing. Uh, you guys are precious to me. You're precious to our church. Um, and we, we we look forward to seeing what... Uh, comes of your children. The next step for them is finding wives, and you'll discover a whole new set of challenges um, in a good way. Just it's like, oh my goodness, um, and and but it's a it's a quite the adventure. So I thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, we ask you to like, share, um, rate us if you would. Share us on any one of your social media. I don't even like to say just Facebook and Twitter. And Instagram because there's others out there, and I'm actually in the process of disconnecting from those because of their vile uh, uh, 
stance on so many things. But you guys, we're, we're sharing this on those various uh, platforms. You make certain that you share it as well if you find it helpful. If you have actually a question, and especially if you have a question for John or Esme, uh, don't be afraid to ask, and we'll pass it on to them and let them uh, share maybe some more of their wisdom because they're not lacking any of it. Well, regardless, we ask you one more time, tell a friend. <laughs>